in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, it says there, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, uh, and, and cast out? And the word fallen here is to be cut down like a tree. It, it means to fail, to fall away, to waste away. And then it said, and then the word cut down, it's one word in the in the Hebrew. The word cut down is is the word gada, which means to, to fail as a tree. You know, when you go out to wood and cut trees, they call it felling trees. And that's exactly what how art thou cut down. Uh, or it could mean to destroy anything. And so that was from the from the Lord Himself speaking to Lucifer. And Lucifer had five I wills. We dealt with that. Uh, that that's not on your sheet or anything. That's the last page. But uh, we, we dealt with those. And we found out that he was something really to behold. He was a beautiful creation from God. But after his fall, he became very ugly. And he's, he's trying. We found some Scripture that indicates that he's painted himself up to make himself look good. And, uh, and, and so we're going, to go on down in Ezekiel 28... We covered verses 12 through 19. He says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Says that He was perfect in His ways. Uh, that, that iniquity, until iniquity, iniquity being moral evil, unrighteousness, wickedness, actually twisted, was found in Him, mean that it meant that it was looked upon by God. And then He goes on down and told, tells us in John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44, that he was a murderer from the beginning. He's the liar and he's a father of it, of iniquity, and was a murderer from the beginning. And we pointed out that it wasn't our beginning that he was talking about. It was his beginning, uh, the beginning of his fall. He was a murderer from that beginning. What book and chapter and verse is that? That, that is John eight forty-three through 44. Now, there's a Scripture that I want us to turn to, and it's, it's in Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. And, and the Lord gave Himself gave me some revelation on this particular Scripture. I've had uh, questions about it for years. I didn't accept the way that it was written. And I kept searching and searching and praying, and the Lord finally gave me uh, the real... Uh, the real meaning of this particular verse. So in Isaiah 54, this is basically talking about the establishing uh, of the fact that God's wrath was appeased through the Lord Jesus. And he said, Just as the waters of Noah was unto me, for as I have sworn, in verse 9, that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. So that is the strength of what Jesus did for us. It appeased the wrath of God. Jesus Christ was judged on Calvary's cross for every one of us. And so it is, it is illegal, according to the Scripture, to claim that something that happens to you is a judgment from God. 
Actually, it's, it's a little arrogant to say that. Because who do we think we are that God would single us out for kicking the cat? You know, I mean, our, our sin, the sin problem, as well as our individual sins, have been taken care of at the cross. We don't have to pay for them. Now, there's consequences for sin in our present day. That's why, that's why the enemy tempts us. If, if it had no consequence, there would be no reason for him to tempt us. He hates God. He hates us because we remind him of God. And so, therefore, he wants to get us at us through the temptation to sin. And sin will open many, many doors. But it's never a judgment of God. Never. So Isaiah 54, here's the one, verse 16, that I have had questions about for 35 years. Because I know God, I think I know Him. I'm getting to know Him better. Uh, And I I know He is love. And He does not create things to be bad to us. Verse 16, He says, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. Of course, this is King James. And that bringeth forth in an instrument for His work. I have created the waster to destroy. Now that's what bothered me so bad. God originally did not create Satan or Lucifer to be bad. It says thou wast perfect in the ways uh, that you were created until iniquity was found. Meaning that He created the, the fall through Himself. The, the fall did not begin in the Garden of Eden. The fall began with the devil. And so I kept praying and seeking and, and looking at my study aids and, and doing Hebrew and Greek word studies. And I found out, you know, you know I've told you that it's, <clears throat> it's not correct to, to lift a Scripture out of its context without understanding what it's saying in the context so that you can lift it out and apply it in other areas. So what I did was I found out that the word created here in this instant instance means cut down. I and and that verifies what we've already read in Ezekiel and in Isaiah uh, the the uh, 14th chapter. He said I have cut down the waster and the word to is not there in the original. It's it's the word that I have, cre- I have cut down the waster that destroys. And because of this, he says, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So that is the background of what chapter 54 is saying. Chapter 53 is the crucifixion and what He did for us. And after the crucifixion, after His resurrection, this is what we've inherited. God is not angry anymore. He took His anger and wrath uh, about sin on Jesus. He took it out on Him. He, he, He poured it out on Him. In fact, chapter 53 tells us that we did esteem Him stricken and smitten of God. So Jesus took the punishment that all of us deserved 
for being in iniquity. And so please don't let him, don't let the enemy speak to your mind about, well, I wonder what you did to deserve this. I mean, that is a slap in the face of redemption to say that. See, But there is a, there is a side of Christianity now that's taking that uh, aspect too far and saying that no matter what you do, you're not going to reap any uh, consequences for. That's the extreme grace message that I keep referring to uh, and, and because I was in it for so long. But this, this is, this is the, the crux of that. He said, I have, I have cut down. It's the, Greek, it's the Hebrew word bara. It means several different things. But he says, I've cut, I've cut him down. Uh, the waster, that is shakath, which means the spoiler. I have cut down the spoiler that destroys. And that word destroy there is shabal, which means travail. It means to twist. It means to uh, writhe. You know, when somebody is writhing in pain, that, that's, that's the, 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 uh, the length of that word, Jabal. So, so that's what the enemy did. Now, that's enough of that uh, passing review. I want to get back to the tree. As that's at the head of your, your paper there, there were two trees in the garden. Now, why a tree? Uh, is it that God just needed a temptation station for Adam and Eve to prove to God that what He had created was valuable and could withstand temptation? No, He did not need a temptation station. That was not the reason for it there. All through Scripture, we've seen and we've covered some of it that trees are, are in reference. Trees are symbolic. It says in Proverbs 3.18, Wisdom is a tree of life to them who lay hold to her. Wisdom, a tree of life. Isaiah 61.3 tells us that we are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, doesn't it? Uh, Proverbs 11.30 talks about the fruit of righteous, the fruit of the righteous is a tree. Revelation 2.7 and Revelation 22.2 talks about the tree of life. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. Now, to say this about the tree of life in the midst of the garden, this tree was given for the enjoyment and the sustaining of God's creation. Man. It was, that's why the tree of life was given. It was meant to be partaken of. And, and you know... I'm going to say something here that I've not had enough time to develop and meditate and, and, and develop, but I'm just going to throw it out here for you guys to think about. But Adam's time on this earth was 930 years. I think that possibly the timetable began at the fall. Rather than, and it's quite possible, quite possible, that in our time of reckoning, you know, daylight and nighttime and years, and that he could have been about a thousand years old when he sinned. See, now that's just something for you to think about. That's not the gospel. That's not in the Bible. Uh, in my meditation and, and as I'm praying about these, I begin to get inferences. It's not to say that uh, it could be in the Bible. I've just not found it. It, it really doesn't matter. Because, uh, because our reckoning starts with, with the fall. 
That, that's when that's everything reckoned from that. You know, uh, Jesus was was born. We'll get into this on our Sunday morning uh, lesson. Jesus was born. I think it was like fifty seven hundred uh, BC. See, because they counted. They don't. They don't count forward. They counted backward. So, anyway, right at six thousand, the year six thousand, or five thousand. I mean. So, the tree of life given for the enjoyment and sustaining of God's creation, especially man. First, uh, Second Peter one and three. Uh, we allude to this verse a lot, but it that says that He has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has already given that. See, that's coming from the tree of life. When you become born again, it's God's will for you to be getting your nourishment from the tree of life. See, some of the time that I'm teaching, you're eating from the tree of life. When I get in the flesh and talk about my own opinions, that's probably not the tree of life. But uh, sometimes I am in the, under the anointing, and that is feasting from that tree. So, as I said now, He's given us everything. I mean, that's, that's pretty inclusive. Whatever we need. Don't you know that's what Adam had? Everything he needed for life and godliness, he was given. So, a tree then represents a manufacturing plant. And I'm not, that's not a, a play on that word plant. It is a plant, but it, it's, a, it's a manufacturing system. A, a support system. This tree that I'm looking forward to next spring of bearing uh, more of those wonderful mulberries, it is a support system for those berries. See, And that's the way it is in our life from the fruit of the Spirit that's in you. See, that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of your Spirit. You get that, the tree of life, which is Jesus and the Word. That is the support system for the fruit that you bear, see. If you're eating from the tree of life, you're going to produce fruitfulness of God. Amen? Is, is that clear? Sometimes I'm thinking since we're getting dwindling on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays that my teaching's driving people off. I hope that's not the case. But uh, I'm just trying to make it as understandable. Now, as we pointed out in Ezekiel 31, remember... You can read all down through there. Ezekiel 31, 3 through 18 is talking about the tree of Satan. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of Satan. God did not plant that tree. It, he, said, he told Adam, he said, there is a tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it. That's all, that was all the instructions he had as far as not eating of it. God, I'm sure, revealed to him why. It doesn't list that. But knowing Father and knowing the Lord Jesus, every time Jesus was asked a question, he answered it thoroughly. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that during that, uh, that, that creation that he, he gave him, he said, now let's, let's look at Galatia, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And let's see, what have I got here? Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. 
Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And in the, in the, in the Hebrew, there seems to be a pause here in the writing. There seems to be a pause. And the tree of life, or excuse, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, the word here, the tree of knowledge, the Hebrew word is da'ath. Da'ath, which means cunning. It means subtlety. In Ephesians 4.14, it is equal to the word uh, over, over there in Ephesians 4.14. That means uh, it's, it's panagoria, which is... Which, let's see, let's, let me look at that real quick. I didn't write, write this down. Ephesians 4.14... says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to receive. The word cunning craftiness is panagoria. It is equal to the word over here that is listed here uh, as, as the tree of uh, da'ath, the tree of knowledge. So, so what is built in that statement that God made to Adam. What's built in that is not the kind of knowledge that comes from knowing Him, knowing God, and knowing His Word. That word means cunning. Subtlety. Trickery. And then, of course, as we said the other day, uh, that lie in wait. This word, lie in wait, is methodios, which it's, it's uh, meth, it means with. Odios is a road. So with a road, uh, that's how people, how these enemies of ours lie in wait to deceive. They lie in wait. They they are waiting there with with a method. Now the way our enemy works, uh, the best description that I've ever heard of the name devil, Diabolos, is the penetrator. That is the way he operates. Now this course, when I taught it 30 years ago, was called Overcoming the Evil Strategies of Our Enemy. I've renamed it because I've redone some things. But if we realize that his strategy, the way he operates, never changes. He is always deceptive. He is always trying to use our ignorance against us. You, you know, use trickery and subtlety against us. When we realize that He uses that road of ignorance and the way that He penetrates, He keeps on. Remember we talking about the drop of water in the cave. It keeps, every, I mean, just constantly. For hundreds or maybe thousands of years. It, and it will drive a hole through that rock. Just that, that drop of water. And, and that's how our enemy operates against us. If you've had any kind of problem in your life, that was unmanageable. And it was probably a demonically inspired thing. And you engaged in that. Then Satan will constantly, even though you're saved, even though you're free from it now, he will constantly try to beat you and keep penetrating your mind with thoughts of, you're not really free. 
You're going to always have to fight this. It's never going to go away. I'm going to get you one day. You're not worthy to preach. You're not, you can tell what I've been hearing. You're not worthy to do anything because you've done these things. And he keeps on and keeps on. So what he looks for and what he's ordered his uh, imps, his de- demons, his fallen angels, what he does, he asks them and tells them to look for one that will receive the thought. And when you receive the thought into your understanding, it's almost like it goes inside. They know whether you receive it, usually because it comes out of our mouth. See, The enemy's been working on me really hard uh, uh, about this ministry and about me being here and stuff. And, And I have to put it down. I've got a precious wife that says, Honey, you need to do what you preach. <laughs> and put those down. Because see, that's the way He works. He keeps slamming our mind. He is the penetrator. That's why the perfect, pit, the perfect picture of the devil is a rapist. Because that's all they do. That's, that's what he is. Now, he said, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've told you before that the word good here is not talking about the good that you can do in the earth. That is, carrying out the will of God. That's not the good that it's referring to here. It's the Greek word, or excuse me, it's the Hebrew word, tob. I will write this down. Because it's kind of neat how we've taken the English. It's, it's, it's pronounced this way. Tob. But... Excuse me, that's what it is in the Hebrew, uh, the English rendering of it. But this is, is basically how it is pronounced. You remember, we were talking about that uh, movie Roots. His name was Toby, remember? It's interesting that this word, good, is not talking about, like I said, righteous good. It's, it's, it's a word which means humanism. Humanism. Now what I've done is I've taken this word, I guess because I'm a hillbilly, and I have put this on the front of it. <laughs> Don't get your nourishment from the do-to-be tree. That's a ploy and a scheme of the devil to get you to do something in order to be something. See, that's humanism. That is called, in modern terms, works righteousness. It's not faith righteousness. That means that in your mind, if you get your nourishment from the do to be tree, then what you're going to do is you are going to develop a behavior that is going to look like you're righteous. You're going to pay your tithes. You're going to dress appropriately. You're going to not cuss. (laughs) You're going to do everything that's good in the sight of mankind. And when you do that, you have a sense of feeling good about yourself. See, works righteousness works. It will make you feel real good about yourself. But it's light years away from the will of God. So this is what Satan was offering mankind when he he was talking to the lady and said, Look, 
this is good for you. You can go through the whole dialogue there in Genesis about what he said to her. And like I said Sunday, you know, this, this uh, uh, about the birth of Jesus, why he had to be the only one. He was born of a virgin. Because, and, and we found out through uh, listening to that dude on TV about the, he found the ark and scraped the blood off and found out that that blood only had 23 chromosomes. Meaning that Jesus got his body 100% from Mary. He probably looked identical to her except male form. He got his blood from God. It's proven. Medical science proves that blood comes from the man. You say, well, my wife has this blood type and my son has her blood type. She got it from her daddy. So it always follows the man, see. So, so when he offered this to her, if you'll look real careful, she saw that the tree was good for food. I like what it says there, good for food, because it, it, it is something agreeable to the senses. That's what this word, good, is in there. So humanism is of the devil. But who can, who can argue with it? I mean, the Mormons are up to here with human good. Their whole religion is based on how good they live. See? But you don't have to earn your way to, king, to the kingdom of God. You believe your way into it. See, It's not based on your behavior. Now, I'm not saying that like some are, that your behavior uh, doesn't matter and that you can uh, you know, please God with your behavior or, or not. I don't, I'm not saying that so that you can just go out and do whatever you want to do and not have a, a repercussion. That's not what I'm saying. Are you hurting, honey? Is that, is that why you're... Who's she on my tie? How many knows that the Word of God says... You see, the Word of God says, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus said, if you ask anything according to my will, I will do it. Father, we do that right now. In Jesus, get out of her body. Pain, you, you leave my sister alone. You're not worthy to touch her and come near her presence. So you get out of her. I speak peace to your body right now in His name. The name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Those that's listening by tape, this lady had surgery on her face and it's hurting. But not anymore. I declare it to be whole. In Jesus' name. Now, to go on with this word, evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, evil is wickedness. It means misery, calamity, wretchedness. So these two trees in the garden are a symbol of of two spiritual lineages. Two spiritual lineages. In other words, we could call them family trees. The source of Satan's power is rooted in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the source of his power. That's why he has to use deception in order to snag us. He capitalizes on ignorance. 
God, I've been struggling with this all day. God has sent me here to unfold and reveal the Word of God to this community. So don't yield to the temptation not to hear it. So this was not a temptation station to prove Adam's faithful obedience. That's diabolical. Now I said in a, in a message that I had not long ago, it was, an, it was an hour and 20 minutes long, and I apologize, but I wanted to get it all said in one, uh, one message. But I personally believe in the open view of God. The open view. In other words, God reacting to reality as it happens. Adam and Eve were free to refuse or render obedience to God. How many believes that? They could, they could render obedience or disobedience. They had that choice. Since freedom involves the presence of genuine alternatives, God would not give man the freedom to obey and at the same time withhold the power to disobey. That would be... That would be unjust authority for God to do. But a lot of people think He's that way. If, Adam, if it wasn't possible for Adam and Eve to, to uh, disobey, then when they disobeyed, it wouldn't be viable. See, So freedom to obey is nothing if it's not also freedom to disobey. So consequently, had man been incapable of disobedience, his fulfillment to God's requirements would have not have been voluntary. Now here's the real kicker. Jesus had the same situation presented to Him in the wilderness. If it wasn't possible for Jesus the man, and you'll understand more about that this Sunday, if, if it wasn't possible for Jesus the human being to sin, you know God can't sin. How I many knows that? It's impossible for God to sin. Impossible for Him to lie. But Jesus was presented to Him the opportunity to disobey God in His human form. So, the word for moral uh, concern with right and wrong, the distinction and concern with right and wrong, could not apply when Satan approached Adam and Eve. He was already a fallen angel. So, I wanted to get, go over that a little bit for you because it's so important to understand that the, these are real issues. You and I have the same thing every day. We, we, we can eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and disobey, or we can choose to eat from the tree of life and obey. Some of us eat, eat from that evil tree every day. That's walking after your senses. And sometimes it feels good, see. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Yes. 1 Corinthians 15.56 says that the power of sin is law. That's the power. That's the strength. It is through law that we derive our knowledge of good and evil. You remember what Paul said. He said, I would not even known that covetousness was a sin unless the law told me. So, see, 
the law was given for us to know that thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That law was given because of the fall of Adam to tell mankind, you can't do this. See. We don't operate that way today. I don't need the Ten Commandments to tell me what not to do or what to do. Because it... The law, the Ten Commandments of God, God's standard of righteousness has been imprinted upon my spirit. And when you're born again, you know right from wrong. You can squelch that, you can push it back, you can ignore it if you want to. That's disobedience. But it's there if you're a Christian. That's one of the things I use in my counseling when I find out somebody didn't know what was wrong. Didn't know that was a sin, whatever it is. I'll say, well, mister, you have to be born again then. Because I'm telling you, it sets deep within our spirit, right and wrong. You can keep... Paul even told the Jews, he said, what about the, the Jews that... The, uh, excuse me, what about the Gentiles that are not Jews and they go ahead and keep the law, never having read the law? See, it's because it's in their spirit. So you have the capability of keeping all of the Ten Commandments, every single one of them, if you'll just listen to your spirit and walk after it. See, Adam and Eve walked totally from their spirit. That's how they lived. They didn't walk after their senses. They told their senses what to do, what to say, what to speak, you know, what, what, you know how to believe, everything. They, they got that from their spirit. We, unfortunately, we live in a body that has a voice and it's always telling us the other side. So, it's through law that we, des- that we derive our knowledge of good and evil. Paul said uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, 7-9, through 9, called it the ministry of death, condemnation. So, the knowledge of good and evil, listen to this, the knowledge of good and evil distracts us from the one who is the source of life. That knowledge distracts us. It distracts us from Jesus. It distracts us from the tree of life. See, That knowledge of good and evil. That's how it kills us. That's how it gets us. From a distraction. It wants to pull you away from the Word of God. I desire, I'm seeking God so much that He would create such a hunger and a desire for His Word here at Cross Point that people cannot sleep without getting into the Word of God. Because that's our only hope. That's our only salvation. That's the only way we can rise above the problems that we face in life. It causes us to focus our attention upon ourselves. And then we measure ourselves by it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. It drives us to corruption or, let's put it this way, self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is birthed out of that tree. That is one of the fruit of that tree. So, good, as I said, is self-righteousness. It's human good. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter. If we read the New Testament, now this is important. If we read the New Testament with an Old Testament heart, it will be law to us. 
and we'll start, before you know it, we'll have some denomination pop up and tell, tell ladies they can't wear their hair long. <laughs> They'll say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. I mean, when I was in the Church of God, I thought everything that ended in ING was wrong. <laughs> it, it's, it's real funny. One time, there's this little restaurant there near Loudoun, Tennessee, where we lived for a while. And uh, it, was ve- it was very, very good to eat there. I mean, they had fried chicken, my Lord. But there was this Pentecostal preacher and his wife, which both were really good size. They would go in there and order that chicken, and they'd bring that chicken. It was all you could eat. They would put a whole chicken leg in their mouth and pull it out, pull the bone, and it would just be bone when they pulled it out. That same guy preaches hell hot Drinking, you know, will send you to hell and all these other sins send you to hell. But he'll go over there and commit gluttony and not think a thing about it. See. Yeah, it is. You know, you always find a reason why your sin is not that bad. But I'm telling you, anything, I'm telling you, when we start getting our nourishment from that thing, everything is going to run bad for us. It's like Galatians 6 says. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. See? And that's, that's Satan's game. I mean, we, we are definitely defining our enemy in this course. God's given me stuff I've never said before in this, this course. It's, it's really helping me. Now, we have, we'll have, if we read the New Testament with an Old Testament heart, we'll have a dead religion with a righteousness that is based on compliance with written commandments instead of living a relationship with the Father God. That's what will happen. Repeat that. If we, get, if we read the New Testament with an Old Testament heart, which you know good and well we've all done, then we'll have a dead religion. There's no life in it. With a righteousness, and it's faith, it's, not, it's works righteousness, that's based on compliance with written commandments instead of living relationship with Father God. That's, that's what we're sacrificing. By being a legalist, you are sacrificing intimacy with God. And we've all been guilty. My Lord, let me raise both of my hands. We've all been guilty. I've stood in pulpits and preached it. I'm glad it was 40 years ago because a lot of people don't remember it. But uh, I, want to, I want to tell you a, a little definition here since we're, since we're talking about works righteousness a little bit. And, and listen to me, that's, that's, te- that's ground. I mean, that is the devil's playing field. He, he has leveled it. I mean, that is where he operates from. So the word is asceticism. I told Teru, I would ask everybody, who knows what asceticism is? Asceticism is the practice of strict self-denial as a measure of personal and spiritual discipline. It's austerity in appearance, manner, and attitude. That's asceticism. Now, asceticism is a key founding block in many people's belief system today that was raised in traditional denominational churches. Asceticism is right. In fact, uh, in, in some of my messages I'm going to do on Sunday about, maybe not this Sunday, uh, about 
the birth of Jesus and the dynamics of that is coming from a volume called the Archco Volumes. And what they've got in there is just incredible. Uh, these, these I'll, I'll tell you when I'm teaching on it uh, where it all came from, but the, the, the Vatican had, had 560,000 volumes put down in the dungeon under the Vatican and nobody could get to. Up until about 1954, I think it is, they could, you could go into the Vatican and request a copy if you knew what you were looking for, and they would make you copies of this. And that's how this Archco volume came about. And it records... Uh, I'm going I'm to read to you dialogue from uh, a certain man when he was interviewing Joseph and Mary about Jesus and his childhood and what they said about it. It's very, very interesting. He's interviewing them, interviewing Mary on how it happened, how she was impregnated, how this, this, this happened. It's very, very interesting. And, and of course, there's some in there about his crucifixion too. But this thing that we're talking about tonight, this asceticism or this, this legalism, this, this nourishment, this fruit of the forbidden tree, has caused us to try to measure our spirituality on how well we conform to the letter. See? I mean, that is such a trap to measure yourself, but how you conform to what the Word says. See? And we get caught up. I know I'm from the Word of Faith background, from Brother Hagen, and, and, and scores, if not thousands of us, have fallen into that by not really making it real in our spirit and a divine revelation, but we knew the words to say. We knew what confession to make. We was always quick to not make a bad confession about ourselves. See? But what we were doing, we were caught up in the trap by conforming to the letter. Instead of letting the letter be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, being a revelation. And when you have a revelation from God, you walk in it automatically. See? When you do speak, it's power. But if it's according to the letter, you can speak the same words and it have no power with it. Amen? So, our spirituality is not found uh, by adapting to a form, but the forming of Jesus within us. That's how our spirituality is, is founded. Reading Scripture without the Spirit brings only the knowledge of good and evil, which brings death. I've told you about my grandfather on my mother's side before. This man knew the Word. He knew the Bible. He could quote it, but he was a heathen until the day he died. They say he got saved then. I hope to God that he did. But he, and he would have my, my, my mother telling me, here I'm talking about mom again. She doesn't like me to. But I remember mama telling me that he'd have her sit down and read to him from the Bible. He knew it backwards and forwards, but he never lived it, see. He had no life within him. He, it was no revelation. Jesus was not formed in him. Paul said, I've come to you till Jesus be formed in you. See? And that, that's how God wants it to be. So, we can change our behavior. It's very, it's very subtle. It's very twisted to think that you can, can change your behavior, your own will, change your behavior, and now God's satisfied with you. That's called, in, in counseling circles, that's called behavioral modification. 
Every time I say that word, you know what picture comes to my mind? A guy up there with bowling ball pins juggling them. That's what behavioral modification is. You think you're doing good till you drop one. See. So we can change it, which is a counterfeit for a relationship, but only the Holy Spirit can change our heart. You know He's more concerned about your heart than He is your behavior? Remember me saying the other day, you know why you cuss when you hit your thumb with a hammer? Because it's in there. <laughs> See? And it needs to come out. It needs to be out. That's right. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. It is that the Holy Spirit can change our heart. See? I was listening to Dan Moeller. I mean, if you guys could ever pull him up on YouTube, my God. His messages are an hour. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. But he was talking about, uh, it was this morning. Were we watching that this morning or yesterday morning? And he, he parked his truck, just had bought it. And went inside to do something. He was at a meeting he was going to do. And came back outside and the car was gone. Or the truck was gone. And he said, oh, somebody's stolen. But his point was, it wasn't, he wasn't allowing it to affect him. He said, because God is real in my heart. And so he looked around looked and saw it. Nosedived into a huge marble rock. And crushed his truck and totaled it. Just went down there. And his first... He said, oh, Father... You are so wonderful because there's a, what did he say, a nursing home or something over there or, or a traffic, you know, it could have run down there and hurt people. He said, you, you are so awesome. And so he rolled that off of, his, off of his back, you know, because of his relationship with Father. And that's what we have to get to. We have to get to intimacy with Him where we are, we are absolutely unoffendable. No matter what somebody does. It may, it may, you may be sensitive in your sensibilities. But if you get Jesus formed in you to that point, we'll, we'll react a different way. We'll, we'll draw on this tree of life that's in us. See, we'll, we'll let that fruit manifest instead of the other fruit, which is, I'm going to sue them, I'm going to do this. I'm... It all turned out, I'll just go ahead and finish that for you. It all turned out the adjuster came, adjusted it, and he, told, he paid $9,200 for it. And he said, uh, you know, he wasn't expecting to get that much. And so the adjuster came and he said, let me tell you something, Dan. Is it Dan? Yeah, Dan. He said, I don't go pay attention to the, what are the documents called that they use to actuarials or something. Uh, he said, I look at it and I determine what it's worth. And he said, I'm determining that your truck is worth uh, 10,5? 10,300. 10,300. So he made $1,100 <laughs> off wrecking his truck. And it's not because of what he did, you know, and not getting in strife and all that. It was just because God loves him, and he loves God, and things are just going to work out. So it's, it's too easy for us. I'm not going to get to that fifth page. I'm sorry. Take it home with you and study it. It's too easy for us to reflect back on old territory when it comes to living our life. See, it's too, it's too easy to revert... Oh yeah, that's the way we handled it then. And you know, uh, the only reason we, we, we basically go there is because we have more confidence in the way of the world's way of dealing with things than we do with God in the way that we should deal by the Spirit. So, the first act of creation 
was to bring life. Remember that? Remember, Rena? Let there be light. That was the first thing. Then God separated the light and the darkness. Remember? He separated it. When a man is recreated, he is born of God and begins to separate light from darkness in his life. God does. Almost inevitably, in our zeal for Him, we try to take, take over this work and perform it, perform that separating the light from darkness by the only way we've ever known, and that's through the knowledge of good and evil. We begin separating that. Don't, don't take it over. Let God change you. Let the Holy, that's why I am so up on praying in tongues. Because the Holy Spirit will build you up from where you are into a level of production in the kingdom of God. A level above the walk of the flesh into the walk of the Spirit. That's why it's, you, you must start utilizing your language uh, from heaven. Because, I mean, it, it will pull you up. So, law and grace... Flesh and spirit. You know, four things were, were come with Jesus. Let me say it this way. Four things were accomplished at the resurrection. Love, mercy, grace, and faith. Those four things. And, and it's given to us. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 43 through 44 uh, depicts the law of Genesis. It, when it says... A tree can only produce fruit after its own kind. It can't, you, you can't go to a peach tree and expect to harvest apples. See, it, That's the law of Genesis. I might add that to these people that think that it's okay for two of the same sex to be married, everything that God created uh, could procreate. Two men cannot procreate, two women cannot procreate. They have to go outside. There's nothing. There's no bypassing that. See, so that so that kind of tells the story there. So we cannot produce righteousness. We cannot produce righteous fruit by partaking of the tree of knowledge. We we can't. It produces death. We won't produce evil fruit if we're partaking of the tree of life. See. So Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge. Therefore, they were destined to perpetuate the fruit of that tree. I find it very interesting. You know what I said about Adam's age? I find it very interesting that this death that Adam introduced into the earth came upon all the people of the world, all of the vegetation, all of the animal life, that death principle was introduced through the first Adam. And it pervaded. And mankind, you, you can read the history and look what all it did. So, God redeemed their mistake and planted in the man the seed, Jesus' life, that would bring forth the tree of life in man. See, when you accept Jesus, that seed of life is put in you. And you can start producing in that. God told Adam, He said, I want you to dress and keep it. Be a husbandman. Tend to it. Hedge about. Guard. Take heed. Protect. That's why He gave him that responsibility. 
There's people in our families that needed to be worked as a garden. There's a term that Jesus used in a parable. He said to the master, to the owner of the vineyard, He said, don't destroy it. Let me dung it and work it for three years. And then it will produce. And this word has come tonight that there's people in your families that need to be interceded about, dunged, fertilized, the word put in them, prayed over, fasted for, and God will redeem them. God will work a miracle, D.D., in your son's life. And in yours, I might add. So anyway, uh, verse 17 there in Genesis 2 said, In the day that you eat, you shall surely die. It's, uh, in the Hebrew, it's die-die. It's, it's a plural, but that's the way Hebrew is. Instead of emphasizing like we do in our language, like shouting it out, it just says it twice. Like, like over in uh, where it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. It's, it's the same word, shalom, shalom. And that was, in, that was for emphasis, you see. And so God, that death began at the moment that they tasted of the tree. And they, it, it overtook them. And uh, he said, in that day, now, like I said, you know, one day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. But uh, not to get over into the end time thing again, but there's coming a time when uh, that thousand years is going to be lived out and it's by the second Adam. And then all things are going to be made new. Amen? So, only God is capable of knowing good and evil without it corrupting Him. Uh, in, in James 1, 13-17, He says there very clearly, let no man say, when I'm tempted, I'm tempted, tested, tried of God. Now last week I wrote down, or the other time that we were here, I, I wrote down uh, on the board this, the, all of the uh, attributes of God, nine attributes of God. And, and I want you to remember those. I want you to keep those close and measure everything that you hear about God with, with that. that. That God is sovereign. He is judgment. He is righteous. He is immutable. He is eternal life. He is love. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. And He is omnipotent. That knowing those things about Him is essential for growth in the kingdom of God. It's, it's essential. You know, I know it doesn't seem like it, but listen, we're trying to get to know God in front of everything we've ever been told about Him. Those things are lurking in your heart. Those wrong concepts of God. It's Satan's first job to corrupt your understanding about Father God and His love. Even the, even the flood that God sent was an act of love. It's, it's, that flood saved untold millions of babies that are now in heaven. Anyway, let's not be ignorant. You know, there's two things that, that God, the Holy Spirit told Paul that we did not need to be ignorant about. Two things. 1 Corinthians 12.1 Don't be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. 
Well, how many churches can you go in today that are ignorant about the spiritual gifts? Millions of them. And then too, of course, Satan's devices, his noemata, his disposition, his purpose, his mind, his thought work, his thought life. Literally, devices is the word noema, which means mind games. But one good thing about it, he'll, he'll play mind games with you until you get your spiritual mind renewed. But the thing is, he can't get into your spirit. He can only, he's limited here. And, and, I, and I've, I'm going to deal with that on the fifth page there that you have. But, uh, but why did God put them out of the garden? They would have eaten of the tree of life and never been redeemable. They would have been forever fixed in that condition and been non... Plus, Satan wanted access to it. He already gained access to the man. He wanted access to the tree because he knew his, his prophecy was going to come to pass. He's trying his best to not get it. See, He wanted to take up, partake of the tree of life and therefore God could not ever throw him into the lake of fire which is going to happen one day. So... Satan's third reduction in power. His third reduction. What was the first one? When he fell from heaven. What was the second one? I like to put it this way. He he went from inhabiting a a creature that was the the crowning of creation, not excluding mankind. You know, a serpent that walked upright was very beautiful and communicated, inhabited him, to now he's reduced to a tail with a mouth. <laughs> I, you know, it's amazing to see those things. You know, they can swim. Snakes can swim. So Satan knows that he and God are bound by what you believe. So he wants to get in there and mess up your belief. They both need your authority. God needs your authority. Satan needs your authority. To carry out anything, as I said the other day, uh, Satan can't do any more anything to you apart from fear than God can do for you apart from faith. Faith is trust. See, so he wants to move you into that penetrating realm where that where that your mind is just overwhelmed. So now, the truth. Now listen to this statement. This is a biggie. We need to put it out on the sign, maybe. The truth, which is the tree of life, the Word of God, is your new nature. It's your nature. You have a nature of the flesh too. You have two natures, flesh and spirit. But that new nature in you is the truth. It's a tree of life. Glory to God. So it is the Holy Spirit's job then to guide you into all that truth, that new life that you have. Amen. Unveil the, the, the possibilities are endless that you have because of your new nature, your born-again spirit. Isn't that good news? Amen. I love preaching good news. It's a lot better than preaching that what I used to. So, redemption is not a plan B. God did not mess up. God didn't plan the fall. Remember what I said about the temptation. It was up to Him. And God reacts as reality happens. So, 
2,000 years after the flood, the flood ended it. 2,000 years after the flood ended it, Jesus ended it. And now it's a new day. I'll say this before we, before we close, and then we'll leave next.